Who's ready to get into to part five today? I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it because this is, this is our finale. It's our, our final installment of, of the series. And uh, as you read through this, the, the Song of Solomon, you kind of notice it's, it's a little bit hard to read every once in a while, right? Like it helps to have a little bit of context. Like when you're reading the part about your hair is like a flock of goats descending down Mount Gilead. It's kind of helpful to have Mount Gilead as in context. And, and what are these goats that he's talking about? What is, what is this all about? And, and so I came across the New Texas translation of the Song of Solomon this week. And I thought I'd share it with you. In today's modern day terminology, something that we can identify with, some way that we can understand what Solomon was saying to the Shulamite woman. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Song of Solomon. It says this. It says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Not a, it's not darling. Darling. How beautiful you are, my darling. Your eyes behind your veil are like the illuminated, scratch-free, Renetta display screen of a new iPhone 11. Come on. We all, we all know what an iPhone is, right? The next verse says, says, your hair is like a gravy flowing down a mountain of Cracker Barrel biscuits. Woo! Yeah, I like that. I like me some Cracker Barrel biscuits with honey on them, too. Uh, your teeth are like Titleist Pro V1s straight out of a sleeve. That's a golf ball for y'all who don't know. That's a golf ball. Each one has a twin, and none of them stand alone. None of them. Um, your lips are like the scarlet fenders of a Tesla Model S. Or, or in Texas, maybe it's a Ford F-150 or a Dodge Ram or a Chevy Silverado. I don't know, but your mouth is lovely, baby. Your temples behind your veil are like two slices of thick-cut applewood bacon. Woo, yeah. Oh, I love this one. Your neck is like the world's littlest skyscraper. Tall, lean, and the envy of everyone in the land. Yeah. And, and this one might be my favorite. Your breasts are like two cakes from Margie's Sweet Shop. Perfectly frosted, but not available on Sundays. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of Sephora and to the hill of essential oils, right? Come on, let's give God thanks for his word. <laughs> hey, it's, I think it's fun to have a little fun in church, right? Because what we've said from the very beginning of, of City Hope is that we want church to be a party, not a presentation. We want, we want church to be a party, not a presentation. Church should be enjoyed, not endured. Like, if you have to miss church, you should actually miss church. Do you know what I'm talking about? And that's what we've been praying since we started this place. And, and by God's grace, that is what has happened here, that it's a party and not a presentation. So uh, the Bible says in Psalms that God in heaven laughs. He's a laughing God. He's got some humor. It says in Proverbs that a merry heart is good like medicine. So what I want to do today is just give you a little bit of medicine, all right? This, it, it might even be enough medicine to get you over the coronavirus, all right? We'll see. It, I'm going to give you a little bit of medicine today. And, and today is going to be the most practical of all the messages in the series. Today is the one where it's just practical Christianity. That's something that we've, we've said kind of from the beginning. We want to be a church that doesn't just uh, give you a list of to-dos, right? We don't want to just inspire you to change, but we also want to give you some practical next steps that you can use Monday through Friday. And so that's practical Christianity. And today I want to start with a foundation of understanding. And that is this, that in, in relationships, we generally judge others by 
their actions. In your notes, if you've got your note sheet, write that down. We judge other people by their actions. Like, oh, I can't believe she did that. What were you thinking? Right? And we, we judge people what they say, what they do. They might have had the greatest motive in all of the world, but their actions spoke louder than their words to us. But then we judge ourselves by our intentions, don't we? Oh, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, we do. It's like, it's like if, if Annalise is running late and, and I call her and she doesn't answer, I start worrying. This is really true the other way around, y'all. Y'all have no idea how much this is true the other way around. But, but if I call her and she doesn't answer, I start worrying. I, I'm like she's dead on the side of the road somewhere. Like she's, she's been kidnapped. I have no idea where she is, what's happened to her. Like how am I going to raise these boys? Who's going to want to marry me with four kids? Like, like how am I going to lead this church? I don't know. Like it's just too much. And when she gets home, I let her know, you got a phone for a reason. You're supposed to answer that phone. And then the next day, though, she might try to call me. And, and I, I can't answer. I'm in a meeting. And I, I have a thought, I'm going to call her back. But I forget. I mean, I, I, I had this legitimate thought. I'm, I'll call her later. I'll let her know after this meeting. I, I'll call her back, and I forget all about it. But what happens is, if she gets on me, but I judge myself by my intentions, well, I was going to call you back. Well, I, I mean, I thought about calling you back. I wanted to call you back, but I judged her by her actions. That's not fair, is it? But we do that in relationships. We judge people by their actions, and we judge ourselves by what we intended. Oh, no, 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 I, ju- I didn't mean it that way. I'm sorry. I, 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 that wasn't what I really meant. We, that's how we do it. So um, today, what I'm doing is I'm just asking God to help us close the gap between good intentions and our actions. Good intentions and our actions. And I think most people really know what they ought to do in relationships. We just don't do it. We know what we should do, but I, we just don't, we don't do it. And, and I want to give us three things that I think can be life-changing today. If we'll apply these in our lives, just practical Christianity. If we'll apply these three things that we learned from Solomon and, and the Shulamite woman... I think they can change our lives. They can change our relationships. And the first one is this, closing the gap between intentions and actions. The first thing we've got to do is, if you think something good, say it. How many times do we think something good, but we don't say it? And and if we think something good and don't say it, it's like buying a present, wrapping it, and then never giving it to the person, right? Right? We rob them of joy. We rob them of that good blessing that we wanted to give them because we, we, just, we had good intentions, but it's still sitting under our bed a year later. Come on, right? So over and over again, we see that Solomon makes sure that when he thinks something good, he says it. When he thinks something good, he says it. In chapter 6, when that, when that uh, chapter ends, Solomon, his wife has been dancing for him. Women, that is biblical. Come on. Come on, men. Where are you at? His wife had been dancing for him, and he liked it. He, he, he loved this, this thing so much. He likes what he sees, and so he wants to respond to it. He can't hold it anymore. He speaks. And in the past, in the book, he always starts from the top down. And he starts complimenting her on her, on her, her hair that's a flock of goats, her eyes that are doves, her, her teeth that are... Um, whatever they were, like uh, uh, chiclets or something. I don't know. They were teeth were, 
Like, he, he starts from here, and then this time he starts from the bottom up. And he starts, he starts from the bottom up, and he, he starts in verse 1, chapter 7. He says, how beautiful are your sandaled feet. Now, come on. I don't care whose feet they are. They're not that pretty, right? Feet are feet. Feet are feet. He says, how beautiful are your feet? But he's, he's, he's speaking to her. He's lifting her up, and he, he sees something good, so he's going to say it. He says, your, your, your graceful legs are jewels. You don't have chicken legs, baby. You, you got, you're toned up. You got some legs. They, you, I love them. The, the work of a craftsman's hands, Solomon says. And, and then it goes on and he says, your navel is a rounded goblet. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> that never lacks blended wine. So, so here's a little context. Um, in those days, the navel was thought to be the seat of emotions. It's, it's where the heart of emotions was right here. You, you ever heard of the, you ever said something like, I just had this gut feeling? That's, that's it, right here. So this is the heart of emotions in, in your belly. And he says, your, your navel is a, a goblet that never lacks blended wine. Well, wine represented the blessing of God. So what he's saying to her is, you are the greatest emotional blessing that I have ever had in my entire life. That's, that's what you are. That's who you are. Your waist is, is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. I don't know what that means. We won't even commentate there. But then he says, your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. He used this because it worked before, and he's going back to it, right? He, it worked before, he's going back there again. And he goes on and on. He's, he keeps complimenting her, and he talks about her neck and her nose and her hair and her eyes, and he's giving life to his good thoughts about his wife. What if, if he thought something good, he was going to say it. Now, here, here's what he does. He gives, he gives three kinds of positive words, and I don't think it's in your notes, but jot it down somewhere in your notes there. Three kinds of positive words we can give our spouse. The first one is admiration. You can, just, you can, you can give admiration to your spouse. Admire them. Tell them that you admire them. Tell them what you admire about them. That's the kind of positive word you can give. Secondly, you, it's words of affection. Words of affection. And then the third kind is affirmation. Just building them up. Just build your spouse up. Encourage them. And guys, we're not the greatest at this sometimes. I get it. And, and, and each one of us need these words of affirmation. The husbands need it. The wives need it. Why do we need it? Why, why does it matter what we say? Because Proverbs 18.21 says... That the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue, this little red devil behind the pearly white gates, has the tongue, has the power of life and death. And you can choose your words. You can choose what you want to have in your relationship. You can choose that you're going to have life in your relationship, or you can choose you're going to have death in your relationship. It's your choice. It's based off of your words that you can speak words of life and blessing and hope and kindness and compassion and peace into your relationships, or you can choose to, to, to curse your relationships, to gossip, to slander, to, to speak ill and to speak death into your relationships. And most people, court, most, most people they, they know the first part of this verse. The tongue has the power of life and death, but check this out. Those who love it eat its fruit. Oh, yeah, yeah, the tongue has the power of life and death. It's the same as sowing and reaping. 
Those who love, love what? Those who love it, what's it? Those who love life are going to reap life. Those who love death, you speak death into relationship. You speak death into friendships. Guess what you're going to reap? Death in relationships. Why is it so toxic in our relationship? Why is it so negative? Here, those who love it, those who love life, reap life. Those who love death, reap death. That, that's it. And, and maybe you're thinking, I appreciate it, Pastor Ben, but it can't be that simple. It, it can't be that simple. And, and you don't have to take it from me because the same one who wrote these words, it's Solomon. Solomon knew the power of words. And, and he went on many times throughout the Proverbs to say other things like Proverbs 13.3. He says, those who guard their lips preserve their lives. In other words, if you don't know what to say, just don't say anything. <laughs> but those who speak rashly, those who just say the first thing that comes to their mind, those who use their words like arrows, they're going to come to ruin. It's going to be a hard road to hope. He goes on in a different chapter in verse 21, Proverbs 21 and 23, Solomon, again, he says that those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from what? Calamity. You keep yourself from looking like a fool. When you guard your mouth and your lips, Proverbs 12, 18 says, again, he says, the words of the reckless pierce like a dagger, like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 18, 7, he says, the mouth of fools is their undoing. They don't know when to be quiet. And their lips are a snare to their very lives. So you don't have to take it from me, but take it from the wisest man who ever lived that your tongue, the words of your mouth, will either make you or break you. You, you speak life or you speak death. So if you're going to say, I, if you're thinking I love you, by all means say it. If you're thinking I hate you, by all means, don't say it. Just don't, don't even say that. Don't, don't, don't even go there, right? Just don't, don't, don't go there. You, you, could, you could add one word to, your, to the phrase, I love you, to take it to a whole new level. Because after you've been married for a while, this year, we celebrate 17 years, right? 17 years that we've been married in August. And, uh, you know, after a while, guess what happens? I love you can lose its luster. It can lose its impact, right? Like you wake up in the morning before you go to work, love you. I love you, all that and everything, right? You know, you, you, before you go to bed, peck on the cheek, love you. You know, it kind of loses its luster. But, but here, try this. I, 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 I'm, I'm committed to this. Just try to add one word, because. I love you because. Give a reason why you love them so much. Like, like give a reason why you love your spouse. Annalise, I love you because you are the most faithful woman I've ever known. I love you because you raise our boys in such a great way. I love you because you're a godly woman like nobody else. I love you because you put so many people above yourself and you consider yourself last. I love you because of that. I love you. Just try taking that to uh, the next level this week, all right? Just try to take it to the next level. And when you don't tell someone something good, they generally assume something bad. Well, 
Preacher, I told her six months ago she looked pretty. <laughs> yeah, but, but she hasn't, you know, and, and you think that because she hasn't been mangled up in a farm in, incident that, that she still thinks she's pretty, right? But she's been waiting five months and 29 days for you to tell her she looks pretty. So, so if you think it, just say it. Just, hey, you look great today. You smell great. You look good. If you think it, say it. All right? And then and in Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 7, verse 5, uh, says, Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. What in the world is he talking about here? What is going on? So what's, what he's saying is that this word captive is the Hebrew word asar. And it means this, to yoke, to harness, or to bind. And so what he's saying is, I'm the most powerful man in all the planet. I'm the king. I'm the greatest king to ever live, yet I'm your prisoner. I'm held captive by your love. Baby, I'm your love slave. That's what, that's what he's saying. I'm, I'm, I'm your prisoner. I'm your love slave. In verse 7 and 8, he says, your stature is like that of the palm. Woo, come on, somebody. Your breasts are like clusters of fruit. I said, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. Woo, that's the Bible right there, y'all. <laughs> Glory to God. This is scripture. Solomon's fig to climb the palm tree, take hold of the fruit. He's, he's excited about that. And, and this, this is God's word. This is awesome. And look at, look at how she responds. She doesn't say, get your hands off me. Stop. The tickles. She doesn't say that. She says, I, am, I, be, I belong to my lover. And he does, his desire is for me. His desire. He wants me. He loves me. I have his heart. He's in love with me. I belong to him. He belongs to me. We are one. We are each other's. And there is no more secure statement in all of the world than to be able to say, I belong to him. I belong to her. That's security. That's beautiful, right? That's beautiful. All right, so, so if you think something good, just say it. Just say it. We all can work on it. It's practical for us today. Number two is if you think something special, just do it. If you think something special, do it. Just, just do it. See, there's two specific actions that we, can, that we can kind of bring together here. The first one is this. If you think something's special, do it. Do, do, do purposeful time, not incidental time, right? Do you, you know the difference between incidental time and purposeful time? Incidental time is when you get home from work, you just sit down on the couch, and both of you are there and present in the room, but you're just scrolling. You're scrolling. That's incidental time. You're watching a little bit of TV together. It's not purposeful. It's not intentional. You're just, you're there, but you're not there. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? All right. So how many times have we thought about spending some time together, but we didn't? And she says, watch, watch as she invites Solomon for some purposeful time. In verse 11, she says, come, my lover, let's go to the countryside. Let's spend the night in the villages. Hey, in other words, hey, let's, let's go to that bed and breakfast we always wanted to go to in Graham or wherever it is. Hey, let's go down to the Metroplex. Let's use some credit card points and get a night 
in the Metroplex. Let's get on Priceline and find an express deal for $68 at the Hilton. Come on, let's, let's go somewhere. Let's do something without the kids. Oh, but what are we going to do with the kids? They can fend for themselves. We got a pantry full. Come on, let's go. We'll lock them in. Let's, let's go. And, and honestly, Annalise and I don't do this as well as we, we need to do, as we should do. Right? And, and do you want to guess why we don't do it? Kids. So, there's always a reason. There's always going to be an excuse. There's always going to be like something that comes up. Oh, we got ball. We got this. We got all of these things. We're going to have excuses. But anytime we've ever been able to get away for, for just a little bit, just the two of us, for a day or two, we always come back saying, we need to do this more often. We, we need to do this more often. And do you know what we find when we get back home? That the kids are still alive. They have not destroyed the place. They, the babysitter made it. Momo is okay. Everything's going to be all right. We just, we just got to do it sometimes, don't we? We got to just say, let's go. Let's do this. And I'm learning to do this more and more. I'm learning that i got to say no to some good things to say yes to the best things. i, I got to say no to some things that are really good. It's, it's nice, but, but i got to say no to those things so I can be present in my family. Let, let me say it this way. There's three things that I think God has called me to do that nobody else can do. So I'm going to focus on those things. Like, I, I, I want to be... The, the most successful husband I can be to Annalise. That's the first thing. The, I, I want to be the most successful father I can be to those four boys. So I'm going to have to say no to some things, church stuff, people stuff. I'm going to have to say no to some things that, that would pull me away from my family at nighttime, right? I just got to say no so I can say yes to them. And, and I, I know that God's called me to be the pastor of this church. I want to be the most successful pastor that I can be leading City Hope Church to the next level. Those are three things that God's called me to do, and nobody else can do them. That, that statement may have caught you off guard, but listen to me. Nobody else is called to be her husband. That's me. Nobody else is called to be the father of those four boys. That's me. I, that's my calling. I've got to be successful of that. Nobody else is called to be the senior pastor here. If you are, I'll help you go start a church somewhere else, but this one's mine, baby. We're going to have to fight for this. Right? Because I, I've, I've been called to do those three things. Listen to me. I don't want to hurt your feelings. As far as everything else is concerned, somebody else can do it. Pastor, I need you to come see me in the hospital. Are you in a small group? Because your small group would love to come see you in the hospital. If I have to come see you in the hospital, it's not good. You, you're probably close to death. You don't want me there, right? You don't, uh, oh, pa Pastor, I need you to do this. No, there's, there's somebody else that can do it. There's somebody else that can teach that. There's somebody else that can do this over here. There's somebody else who can do all of those things, but they can't do those three things I just mentioned. I'm the one called to do that. And here, let me, so what's the best thing? If I'm, if I'm going to if I'm gonna be successful in relationships, I've got to say no to good to say yes to the best. Okay? So what's the best things that you could say yes to? 
I don't know if it's in your notes, but I want you to write these down real quick. The first thing is this. Say yes to God. What are the best things I could say yes to? God. He's the first and foremost out of everything. You say yes to him first. The second thing is your spouse. This is where a lot of people start getting that flip-flop. They'll put their spouse first before God instead of putting God at the very top. Listen, if God's, not, if God's on your list but not at the top of your list, guess what? He's not on your list. So he's got to be at the top. Then it's got to be your spouse. The next one has to be, it's got to be your kids after your spouse. And, and the problem that most people have in marriages is when they begin to put their kids before their spouse. God says that you're going to leave your father and mother. You're going to leave everything else and you're going to join together. And what God brings together, let man not separate. So let man not separate, uh, let, let in-laws not separate, let kids not separate, let nobody separate this marriage that God's brought together. This is difficult, though, because, because what happens in marriage is we begin to focus on the kids and we don't focus on the spouse. And guess what? The kids are leaving, y'all. The kids will be gone one day, and you know what will happen? You'll be living with somebody you don't know. You'll be living with somebody that you, you don't know who they are. You don't, you don't know where you've been the last four years because you've been so focused on the kids that you haven't spent time with one another. You don't know your spouse. Am I preaching today? I hope that's helping you. This is the right order. God, spouse, kids. And everything else can fall below that. When, anytime we get that out of order, there's going to be some hiccups along the way. So, so check this out. Solomon probably had to say no to a hunting trip or like a golf outing with the guys to be able to go to the countryside. He had to say no to some good things to say yes to the best thing. The Shulamite woman, she probably had to say no to a, a chick flick with some friends or to say no to a perfectly cleaned house to be able to go to the, to the countryside. And we're just going to have to say no to some good things to say yes to the great things. Amen? All right, the second thing we can do here is just, just um, some thoughtful acts. Thoughtful acts. We want to spend purposeful time together, but we also want to have thoughtful acts. And, and one of the greatest principles that we can learn, and I'm just generalizing here, one of the greatest principles is not the act that matters most. It is the thought behind the act. It's the fact that you thought about it. Uh, last Friday... I started ripping out some stuff in our house, some ceramic tile that was on the walls when we bought the house. I, I started ripping it out, and I put shiplap up, baby. It looks, it looks awesome, if I do say so myself. <laughs> but it was, a, it was something that I, I just I wanted to do not for me, not so much, but more for Annalise, because it, it's just a thoughtful act. It's something that, a way that I could serve her, a way that I could just kind of make the house a little more her, her style. And, and so you just have this thoughtful act. When you think something thoughtful, just do it. Do it immediately. Do it immediately. So we're closing the gap between good intentions, because the road to hell is paved with those, and actions. Good intentions and action for just closing the gap. If you think something good, say it. If you think something special, do it. If you want something different, be it. Be it. Be the difference that you want to see. Instead of pointing fingers at people saying, well, you should do this, and why don't you act this way, and why, 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 why are you doing this? Instead of that, 
What if you just became the difference that you wanted to see? Become the difference that you want in your life. If you look back through their story, you're going to see that this couple chose to be different. They chose. We're not going to be like everybody else. In chapter 1, the Shulamite woman says, why should I be like all of the veiled women? In other words, why, I'm not going to be loose and easy, Solomon. If you want that, you can't get it here. I'm not going to be a prostitute. That's what the veiled women represented. I'm not going to be like that. And then later on, Solomon says, let's catch for ourselves the foxes that ruin the vineyard. The foxes represent sexual temptations. The vineyard represents the body. He's, they're setting standards. They're choosing to be different. We're not going to put ourselves in a situation where anything can get out of control. We're going to set that standard. We're going to be different. And then last week we saw where they got in a fight, right? He comes home early. He's wanting a little bit of loving, and she's not having it. They get in a fight, but they make up. They chose to be different. They weren't going to hold grudges. They weren't going to be like everybody else. They chose to be different. So if you want something different, you, you just be different. You just, you be, you be something different. The Shulamite woman begins to talk about it here in, in chapter 8, verse 1. She says, if only you were to me like a brother. Now hold on, hold up a second. Right, this isn't Arkansas. We're not, what's going on? If only were you, you were to me like a brother who was nursed at my mother's breast. Then if I found you outside, I'd kiss you. That, that sounds kind of creepy and weird, right? But let me explain what it means. No one would despise me if that was the case. See, in those days, in ancient Hebrew tradition, a, a man could not show affection. He couldn't touch a woman in public unless he was her sis she was his sister, unless they were related, unless she was his sister. And so what she's saying is, I just want it to be different. I'd love for everybody to know our love for one another. I'd love for us to just be able to go in public and, and, just, and just be ourselves the way we are behind closed doors. I'd love for us to just be that way in front of everybody else. But what would happen is if, if a guy touched a girl in public, uh, an Orthodox Hebrew would probably come up and bop you on, this, on, on the head, all right, which is probably not a bad idea for these days, right? Like... You touch my daughter, right? Just, just bop him on the head. So she wanted something different. And if you want something different, you just you have to be something different. You have to be something different. Well, Pastor Ben, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could, I don't know if I can be different. I just I don't feel it. You're talking about being different, Pastor, but I just don't feel it. It's not there. And, and I'll go back to something that I've said often from the, from, from the time we started was sometimes you just, you have to remember that choices lead and feelings follow. You may not feel it right up front. You may not feel like giving them a second chance. You may not feel like talking it out. You may not feel like saying that you love them. You may not feel like those things. But listen to me. You, you do it anyway. Choices lead and feelings will follow. Feelings will follow. I got a, a text from somebody just this week who said, um, so I just wanted to thank you for, the encouraging, for encouraging my husband and I during the past year. And if you've been here for a while, you know that uh, I say kind of regularly that if you'll give God a year, 
you'll be surprised at what he can do, right? So thank you for encouraging us in the last year. After many years of fighting and conflict, I was at my breaking point. Things weren't perfect. Things aren't perfect, but they're so much better. I'm thankful to you and the men in the church that, that have given him a place to belong to help guide him. And I'll admit, I was, a hes- I was hesitant coming to church at first and almost always left in tears those first few months. But it's changed my life and it's given me purpose again. Joining Freedom in the fall was one of the best decisions I ever made. It brought me closer to God during one of the most difficult times of my life. And I bet if we ask them, they'd say, hey, we, we just made some choices, even though we didn't feel it. We made some choices to do these things, even though I didn't feel it. Amen? Choices lead. Feelings follow. We've been talking about good intentions and actions. And this isn't in my notes, but I'm going to share it with you. And that is that, um, I guess it's about 14 years ago. We were living in Tennessee. And uh, my mom had been diagnosed with uh, colon cancer. And she, she was having some troubles with um, excessive bleeding after a checkup. And so they decided, we're going to do a colostomy. This will take care of the problem. We lived in Alabama. She lived in Tennessee, about three and a half hours away. And I don't know, I just, something in me said, hey, you, need, you ought to go to the surgery. You ought to just go to the surgery. And I'm so glad I did. I, I got up there on a Sunday night, we talked a little bit, and we, we shared, and Went and stayed with my brother, got back up the next day, went back up, talked, and man, she was so excited for this surgery. It was gonna, it was really gonna help her in life to, to, to just have a better quality of life. And uh, it was during that surgery that she died on the operating table. And there were some other people close to me who lived in the same city blood relatives who, who didn't come the night before they didn't show up the day of and do you know what they've lived with for the rest of their life regret regret that's the difference between good intentions and actions it, I'm so glad that I made the choice to just drive the 200 miles to see her one last time. And some of you here today, you, you've got some intentions. You've had some intentions and you need to close the gap on them today. Like you, you just need to close the gap on them today. Come on, will you bow your heads with me? And let me just ask you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you What's he whispering in your heart? What's he whispering in your heart right now? Some of you have been intending to say something, to do something, to be something. You've been intending to close the gap. You said, I'll do it one day. Maybe it's with your parents. Maybe it's something that you need to do there with your mom or your dad. Maybe it's with your grandparents. Maybe you need to close the gap with your spouse. There's, there's this gap. There's a loss of intimacy, a loss of trust, a loss of... Um, a, a loss of love there and you need to just close the gap maybe it's with your kids 
You've got a, a, a child who's just far from God right now, and it's, it's causing them to be far from you as well. you just got to close the gap. It's something that you need to say, do, or be. Maybe it's a co-worker, a, a friend. Maybe it's a brother or sister that you've been having conflict with. There's reconciliation that needs to happen. There's, there's a, there's a um, conflict that needs to be resolved. There's a gap that needs to be closed. Maybe it's that you need to give a gift that you, you, you know you need to give this gift to somebody, but you've been putting it off. Maybe it's telling somebody thank you for what they've done. Maybe, maybe it's an apology that you need to offer to somebody who's hurt you and, and you've been living with, with frustration for years, but you, you just need to apologize. You need to, you need to be the bigger person. You need to close the gap. You need to close the gap on on that not just good intentions but actions as well maybe you're here today and your marriage is hanging on by a thread you're the one pointing fingers you're the one that's just constantly jabbing the other and and today you need to become something different you need to be something different who is it today that if they died right now you would be full of regrets who is that person so today, I'm, I'm asking you, would you close the gap with them? Close the gap with that person today. And if you're here, and you'd be bold enough to say, that's me, Ben. I need to close the gap. I've, I've been full of good intentions. All talk, no actions. Today's the day I'm, I'm going to close the gap. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand all across this place? Say, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who else? That's me, Ben. I need to close the gap. Who else? I need to close the gap. I need to close it. I need to close the gap. Who else would join me and say, that's, that's me, Ben. I need to close that gap. Thank you. Come on, let's say this prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to lead us in prayer. You pray right where you are. But Lord, I'm praying today that you would just do a work, that you would do a miracle, that you would bring life change, that you would bring hope, that you would bring freedom, that you would bring peace and power, that you would bring joy, that you would bring the power of God to close the gap, to change lives, to change hearts, to set people free. Lord, would you do what only you can do in this place, God? I'm praying right now for marriages that need to be restored, for, for brothers and sisters who need to come back together, for parents and, and children who need to be restored in the relationship, a gap that needs to be closed. I'm, I'm thanking you in advance for the apologies that will go out today. The, the apology that's not, I'm sorry you felt this way, but I'm sorry I hurt you, Lord. Let it be genuinely and, and, and fearfully from you, a place of, of truth, a place of on, authenticity, God. I pray that you would move in this house that you would close the gap on our hurts and on our wounds and on the things that we intended and the things that we want to do and the things that we need to say and the things that we need to do and the things we need to be. Close that gap, Lord. In Jesus' name. With your head still bowed, if there, there's one thing that I just got to talk about today, and that is, it's, it's something that really concerns me, and that is that there's some people here today who you, you, you believe in Jesus, you claim Jesus as your Lord, but there's nothing changing in your life. You claim him as your savior, but your life still looks the same as it did before you met Jesus. You say you believe in Jesus, but then you go do whatever the heck you want. And, and I'm, I'm just here to say, that's not salvation. 
That's not salvation. And that scares me because I've got some accountability as your pastor. It scares me that, that, that people would claim Jesus and continue to live in sin. It, it scares me that people claim Jesus and they refuse to give back to God in their tithes and offerings and to be generous. It scares me that people claim Jesus and they're still addicted to medications and pornography and alcohol and their speech is vulgar. It scares me that people claim to know Jesus but they leave their spouse. That scares me today. Because there's got to be a moment of life change. Salvation is not your good works. Salvation is grace. But when you come to know Jesus, there's an overflow of natural works. There's an overflow that God does in you and your life begins to change because of what God's done in your life. So if you're here today and you say, Ben, I need Jesus. I need Jesus today. I'm far from God. I don't know him. I don't have a relationship with him. My life is the same today as it was before I met Christ. I need a life change. I need salvation. If that's you here today and you say, Ben, I want to accept Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Just lift up your hand right where you are. Just between me and you. You say, Ben, count me in. I want to go all in today. I want to go all in, all the way with Jesus today. If that's you, just slip up your hand right where you are. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your boldness. Come on, let's all together say this prayer with me today. Say, Jesus, I'm going all in. I'm leaving my sin in the past. Will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me? Wash me new. Give me a fresh start. Today, I fully commit. I am yours and you are mine. From this day forward, I will follow you the best I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.